Welcome to the post-game edition of the Sooners Extra Podcast. I'm Ryan Aber from Atlanta, Georgia, joined by Barry Trammell. Once again, the Sooners Extra Podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for a hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salad. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And uh, Barry, tonight we saw a whooping. 63 to 28 LSU over Oklahoma and it uh didn't appear to be that close. Yeah, I know it was uh, I called it uh you know the uh, the Oklahoma offense and the Oklahoma defense with the the uh resistible force and the movable object. Um just you know you could tell pretty early even when it was 7-7 or 14-7 you know as soon as it sort of got the big play from CD Lamb and were hanging in there you could tell this is not going to go well. The uh, couldn't block LSU. LSU could block them. Uh, jo- Joe Burrow was uh, on point with his passes. Had unbelievable receiving core. Tigers taking advantage of the depleted OU secondary. Jalen Hurts' offense is not built to keep up with uh, that kind of production. What to you, Barry, was the most surprising element of of the game? I was surprised at how ineffective the OU defense was. I don't think the OU defense is great, but I was not ready for LSU to come out and score. Well, let's see. It was uh, seven of eight. Um, It was eight touchdowns in their first nine possessions. That's what we saw tonight. Eight touchdowns in their first nine possessions. So, um, who was it? Eight of ten. Well, let's see. One, two, three, first to the four, second half. Five, six, it was seven, seven of eight in eight, the first. Seven, half. seven of eight in the first in half. In the first half, and then they had what did LSU to open um, up the, the third well, quarter. Well, actually, eight of nine. Yeah, eight of first nine. So eight of their first nine. I mean, that's just that's you know you know you don't see that when in some of these class two A games where where nine and zero number one ranked team plays a. You know, a winless team. You don't necessarily see that. So I was surprised with the ease at which LSU was able to move the ball. Joe Burrow threw for, you know, I think it was 27 touchdowns and uh, approximately 11,000 yards tonight. So, and if he didn't reach those (laughs) barriers, it's because he decided he didn't want to. Four touchdown catches by Justin Jefferson in the first half. Justin Broyles is, is the primary guy recovering him and just couldn't hang with him. Just couldn't do it. You know, Alex Grinch has been telling us all year. I don't, you know, I just don't have safety guys at safety that I that I think can help us beyond the starters. And danged if he wasn't right. Danged if he wasn't right. Yeah, I think uh, it, it was pretty evident that the the guy that they were missing tonight that they missed the most was Delarian Turner. Yell yeah, more so yeah. than Ronnie Perkins by a long shot. Yeah, and you know, clearly they could have used some more pressure on the quarterback, but. Uh, uh, you know, Delarian Turner Yell had been pretty good, especially over the second half of the season. He played a ton of snaps, uh, as had Pat Fields, but that uh, depth there was exposed and laid bare with Justin Broyles having to play first at safety in uh, Turner Yell's spot. And then when uh, Buki Radley Hiles got ejected in the second quarter for targeting, they had to move Broyles over to Nickel. 
and throw in Woody Washington, a, a freshman at safety. And LSU went to work on those guys hard. And Joe Burrow made some fantastic throws. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But at the same time, there was uh, not much uh, slowing down LSU's receivers by those two guys that uh, were thrown in there. And, and, and those guys didn't get a lot of help from the OU pass rush when they got you know, when they put pressure on Burrow he was able to walk around it uh, squeeze, squeeze out of it one sack no quarterback hurries uh, statistically now I saw one I think it was Nick Benito uh, got all, got really close to Burrow and made him throw a fade quicker than he wanted to but virtually no pressure on Burrow so that was disappointing uh, Unsurprisingly, the only sack came by Jalen Redmond. Right, and it was a fumble. Um, Burrow fumbled the ball and didn't, you know, oh, you didn't get it. They needed some turnovers. Sooners uh, could have had two turn, two interceptions. Pernell Motley, Trey Brown. Motley particularly played great. Trey Brown played fine. Each of them broke on the ball uh, on a uh, uh, slant-type patterns. And had a chance at an interception. Either one, either catch would have been excellent, uh, but they didn't make either one. Conversely, the Sooners commit the game's only turnover. So just not a good – you know, nothing went right. Nothing went right for the Sooners. Yeah, Barry, when you look at the, the future, and we'll get into the future uh, quite a bit more here later in this podcast, but you look at the future, how much is there concern – over what we saw tonight or you know is it well things will be better um with with these guys getting more experience although they do lose uh, parnell motley back there they lose a lot of that defensive line and uh you know this is going to be a completely different looking defense next year especially if kenneth murray decides to leave and uh you know if anybody else decides to uh get out of there well i'm you know i think they'll be okay when it comes to i think they can maintain this standard the problem when you watch this game is hey they gotta get a lot better yeah and you know we're sitting here talking and and as we should and as probably lincoln right how are we going to replace kenneth murray how are we going to replace parnell motley um how are we going to replace neville gallimore those are three really good players probably their best three defensive players and it's not a question of – I don't mean Lincoln is saying, how are we ever going to replace them? He means we need to replace these guys. How are we going to do it? But the truth is they need to get better at, at all those spots and all the – I mean, at every spot. Because you saw tonight, while Oklahoma's – you know, Stuart Mandel tweeted out something when OU beat Baylor in the Big 12 title game. He said, fourth big – fourth playoff – for the Sooners in five years. What a program. And he's exactly right. We shouldn't lose sight of the fact. The Sooners have built a great program. To make the playoff four times in five years is fantastic. But the truth is that when they get here, the Sooners have still a heavy, heavy hill to climb to get on the level of what we see with a Clemson, with an Alabama last year, with a with a uh, Ohio State, uh, with a uh, LSU tonight, 
Um, and what what we've got is we've seen teams like Clemson and LSU and Alabama pr- produce these great defenses, and now they've got <laughs> unbelievable offenses. So yeah. it's the sum of all fears. So Oklahoma, that's what Sooners have to do. They got to find a way to have a big time defense. Offensively, they're there. I mean, they they're not as good as LSU this year, but that's okay. You know, you yeah. don't have to be the best; you just have to be great. And they were great this year on offense. So they got to find a way to be exceptional on defense, and so far they haven't done it. Yeah, I think it, it'll be interesting next year to see. The defensive line, which you mentioned, Gallimore. They also lose Overton. Um, they bring back Stokes, Jalen Redman, uh, Ronnie Perkins. At some point, will be back. It's uh, if if what we've been told is correct, that won't be till after the Texas game next year, which is a little dicey for for Oklahoma. That he would miss uh, both Texas and Baylor early in their Big Twelve schedule, but. Um, they they bring in two of the best junior college defensive tackles in uh, in the game. They they bring in much more size on the back end. Now we'll see how quickly any of those guys can contribute. The only freshman really to make a big impact in in the season overall on the back end would be Jaden Davis. Although uh, at, at cornerback, although tonight we saw Woody Washington play quite a bit and he instantly became the tallest defensive back that they had back there so um it's going to be fascinating to see if this defense can take steps forward from year one to year two given all that they lose but uh you know given another year of experience and another year of alex grinch to bring in his own guys yeah i mean i guess the best way to look at this is from a regional level Getting to the playoff, winning the Big 12, beating Texas, winning Bedlam, beating Baylor. Sooners are in better shape than they've ever been because they've been doing it now, what, five straight years. They've won the conference. So, you know, on that level, it's fantastic. But on the national level, they're not they're not competitive there. So they've got to they they gotta figure out how to get there. Lincoln Riley said he loves the direction of the defense. Maybe. You know, maybe he's telling the truth. But I thought last night uh, or Saturday night was a clearly a, a, a step not in that direction. Yeah, so uh, we'll see what the future holds for the Sooners on defense. We're going to take a break. Be right back with uh, some offensive talk. We'll start looking ahead there a little bit as uh, we wrap up this Sugar Bowl win. Or sugar, uh, sugar Bowl. I keep wanting to call it the Sugar Bowl this week, Barry. It's a peach. It's, it's the a peach. peach Bowl. It's a little bit different. We're so used to being in New Orleans or being in Miami. Life's a peach. Now uh, now we're here in Atlanta, a different kind of place. But uh, the Sooners, Peach Bowl loss, 63-28 to 28 to uh, LSU. We'll be right back. Once again, this is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. I'm your host, Ryan Aber. 
here with Barry Trammell high above Atlanta, where uh, on Saturday night Oklahoma fell to LSU 63 to 28 in the Peach Bowl. Barry, we spent the first segment talking all about defense. Well, let's talk about offense now because it wasn't much better over there. Jalen Hurts was scrambling around, running around for his life from the first play of the game. Kalevon Chason was fantastic, had a sack on the first play, had another sack a little bit later, wound up earning a defensive most valuable player honors. Oklahoma found it difficult to run the ball against LSU. They found it difficult to find time to throw the ball. CeeDee Lamb had a solid game, four catches, 119 yards. Nobody else had more than 28 yards receiving. Uh, Oklahoma had less than 100 yards rushing, 97. Um, a, a tough go of it for the Sooners offense tonight. Yeah, you, you know, when you look at it, you sort of wonder how they got 28 points. Yeah. Um, and the truth is, I don't know if anything happened. LSU said they did not change anything in the in the second half. They, they, they said we wanted to stay aggressive, aggressive. We wanted to keep our foot on the pedal. I don't know if they backed off a little bit on defense, but the Sooners were able to grind out two long touchdown drives the kind of thing they needed to do in the first half. But in that first half, for crying out loud, oh, you had eight possessions, scored two touchdowns. And they failed to do what I think they had to do to win this game, which is control the ball and keep it out of Joe Burrow's hands. Instead, it went the other way. Not only did – you know, it's one thing not to score on some possessions, but Sooners had five possessions – that failed to make a first down and lasted three plays or less. Yeah, they had had possessions that lasted, Barry, 54 seconds, 28 seconds, 10 seconds, uh, 50 seconds. Yeah, that was the pick. Um, and then a couple that lasted under two minutes, 124, 149. So not a whole lot of long possessions. The longest possession for the Sooners, five minutes, 52 seconds, their uh, touchdown drive in the third quarter. But uh, outside of that, a lot of uh, very quick uh, possessions for OU. Yeah, and, and that's that's opposite of what needed to happen. They needed to control the ball. Joe Burrow got eight possessions in the first half. They needed to give him eight possessions for the whole dang game. That's what needed to happen. So um, not a great performance, I didn't think, by the – by the OU offense, but I salute them for somehow finding a way to get four touchdowns out of the – they did not play well enough to score 28 points. And here's – you know what? Let's let's be truthful. Sooners didn't go out with a – you know, they didn't go out with a bunch of, of exploding scoreboards down the stretch of the season. They score 23 on Baylor in regulation. They score 34 on OSU – they scored, what, 28 on TCU. Um, so, down the stretch of this season, there was not a ton of points scored. So, there was not any reason to think they're going to come in and light up LSU. A lot was made of LSU. Defense not being that great. But I I thought it was pretty good coming in. I predicted OU to score 24 points in this game. So, I didn't 
you know, I was not expecting a, a wild shootout. And for Oklahoma to get 28 points is, in some ways, you know, a tribute to uh, Lincoln Riley's ingenuity and, and, and Jalen Hurts' ability to make something out of nothing and C.D. Lamb's playmaking ability. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, Sooners got two of those touchdowns when the game was over. Yeah, Barry, you talked about uh, being able to control the ball on the ground, and this was the first time Oklahoma had been held under 100 rushing yards since the 2016 season opener against Houston. Which, of course, Samaje Piran was hurt in that game. Um, Ed Oliver was dumped. First half, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, Piran got hurt, and they were pretty ineffective after that. Um, But this time, Kennedy Brooks. Struggled to be able to run the football. He had 10 carries, 35 yards. Jalen Hurts, 14 carries, 43 yards. Did have a couple touchdowns. Did break break Jack Mildren's record for rushing yards by a quarterback in a season at OU. Tied Jack Mildren's mark for rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in a season with 20. But uh, just tough going for the Sooners. And, I talked to Adrian Ely in the locker room after the game, Oklahoma's right tackle, and asked him about protecting Hurts, and he said the main thing was communication, that there were times when Jalen Hurts rolled out when he didn't need to roll out. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was interesting, and I wish I would have gotten a little bit more uh, clarification on that, but he said – I asked him if it was the crowd noise that – made it hard to communicate and hard to 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 make checks at the line of scrimmage he said well that's part of it but part of it also was lsu the adjustments that they were able to make right at the snap that were quick 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 and it kept it sort of befuddled the the sooners up front even when they were running some heavy protection sets i mean that first play of the game where uh, Kalevon Chason, which, by the way, that's a fantastic name, Kalevon Chason, uh, sacks Hurts. Oklahoma had two two tight ends in on the play, and Chason was actually blocked by Braden Willis, but Willis didn't stand a chance against him. Yeah, it was that was interesting. It, it was clear the offense was sort of oh, what's the word? They were sort of being chased all night. I mean, it's, even when they had plays that sort of worked, you know, occasionally Hurts would get free on a scramble or even a, a, a run. But Ed Orgeron, after the game, said, hey, we he, he applauded uh, his defense for stopping the read counter, which is one of those – basically one of those, you know, zone read plays that, that Jalen Hurts is – really made some uh, some hay with this year. There was not a lot of running room for Hurts. He scored on a 12-yard, a fourth down uh, 12-yard run, but that was off a scramble. So it was just a case of, you know, the offense never really found a, a gear, but it at least scraped together, and it's the Oklahoma offense. It should do this. It scraped and, together and found some success the Oklahoma defense never found anything. Yeah, um, actually, Barry, I want to. We'll wait to the third segment to talk about the future of the offense because I think that's worth uh, exploring. 
a little bit more, but in the short term, what are, what are Oklahoma's biggest needs that they need to address, whether it's recruiting or just culture change or, or anything here after this loss? On which? On, on either on, side it, of the ball? Anything, yeah. Oh, I don't think it's culture. I think it's just – I mean, I think it's mostly – the defense has got to be better. They need better players over there. I mean, they don't have enough safeties. That's pretty clear. They need more good D linemen. They need their guys to pass their drug tests. I mean, there's, you know, that kind of. They just need they need more good players. Um, the offensive line, you know, I don't think is a huge problem. They weren't very good tonight. They had their ups and downs this year, but in the end of the day, they had a pretty good year in a rebuilding season. So, I I just think defensive personnel is really the problem, and it's not. I don't think it's cultural. I think they got to find culture. Really quick, Barry, to to wrap up this segment. There's several OU players who have a chance to go into the NFL draft. Um, let me know if I leave anybody out that's obvious, but you got C.D. Lamb. Uh, Kennedy Brooks is eligible because he redshirted. He's a, a third-year sophomore this year. Um, Creed Humphrey on the offensive side of the ball. And then on defense, you've got uh, Kenneth Murray back there. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that uh, – would have a chance to jump. I think that's pretty well it, especially now that Grant Calcaterra is uh, no longer playing football. Right. What's your sense about each of those guys? Oh, I tend to think almost all of them. Oh, Trey Sermon as well. Yeah, I think most people go pro when they get a chance. Now, Creed Humphrey, maybe not. Um, but Lamb clearly – you guys said Kennedy Brooks sort of sounded like he was. I mean, I, I was the one who talked to Kennedy yeah. Brooks tonight, and it's sort of the, the sense I got is I don't want to say I'm leaving now, but he didn't seem all that fired up to consider coming back. Yeah, and Kenneth Murray, I think clearly his, his, his stock's pretty high. I don't know that it can get much higher. So I tend to think – Sooners will lose lose a lot of guys, um, you know. The, uh, but you know what? Everybody's going to lose guys. That's what they do. Nobody sticks around. Everybody's everybody's ready to get paid, and you can't blame them. So, um, I don't I don't think it's going to be mortal blows to Oklahoma uh, football fortunes when when most or even all these guys turn pro. Yeah, I, I would agree that. Creed Humphrey's the one that maybe you could see uh, coming back, but we'll see what happens there. We're going to take another break on the Sooners Extra podcast. We're going to come back, talk a little bit more about the future, and also answer answer a couple of questions that folks sent us during the game. They were all fired up. So uh, we're going to be right back on the Sooners Extra podcast presented by Zaxby's. Thank you so much for listening. If you get a chance, go to uh, Apple Podcasts, go to Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts and shoot us a review. We would really appreciate it. Once again, this is Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zachary's.
Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. I'm Ryan Aber here with Barry Trammell. And Barry, let's take a little bit of a look to the future now. And I, I think we've got to start off at quarterback. Jalen Hurts was really good this year. I know some Sooner fans were uh, frustrated at times with the turnovers and, and things like that. But I think Oklahoma fans have gotten a little bit spoiled by quarterback play over these last few years. It's crazy how – you know, I I got a guy. You know, I got the same emails everybody else did. Uh, Hurts isn't any good. Get him out of there. Had a media guy after. You know, we were sitting down there having a snack when we got back to the hotel, talking about ah, Hurts isn't that good. And uh, I tried to talk some sense into the guy, and finally got him to admit. I mean, you can he, throw this particular media guy. Under no, the bus not going to do want. it. Not going to do it. It, <laughs> it, it. it could it could mar his reputation for life. But he basically was saying, you know. He can't do what Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray can do. <laughs> well, well, heck no, he can't. <laughs> and what? guess what? The next guy's not going to be able to either. So um, I think you're right. People have gotten spoiled. Jalen Hurts was a, was a premier playmaker. He was fabulous. He fell all the way to number two in the Heisman Trophy voting. So um, I do think there's a lot to like about Spencer Rattler. We – we saw a glimpse of, of him, you know, this season. Heard great things about him. Of course, he's a recruiting phenom. Everybody loves his pedigree coming out of uh, high school. But uh, heard a lot of good things about his relationship with the rest of the team. As You know, he's sort of morphing into a leader on this team. And I thought he looked halfway decent tonight in, you know, mop-up duty that last drive. Missed a throw or two, but, you know, who cares? He, he ran around, and um, I think there's reason to like what he will what he will bring. But people who think he's going to be as good as Jalen Hurts was, you better, you better go get some therapy. And people who expect him to be as good as Kyler Murray or Baker <laughs> Mayfield, just go jump off a cliff. That's all. That's my best – that's all I can say. Just go jump off a cliff because that's you're you're bound for disappointment. Yeah, but I do think the future is bright with Spencer Rattler. I thought it was interesting tonight that they brought in Spencer Rattler instead of Tanner Mordecai there at the end. Uh, we'll see if there's anything to read into that. Because earlier in the year, and when mop up, which you know hadn't been a lot of it in the second half of the year, but earlier in the year they went with Mordecai first, right? And Mordecai's been listed as the backup quarterback all year, but tonight when they decided to pull Jalen Hurts there at the end, it was Spencer Rattler. And I think, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe there's something going on with Tanner with Mordecai that we don't know about. Or maybe but this. Maybe, looks, they're, maybe they're trying to not get Tanner Mordecai killed. Well, yeah, that too. Although I think maybe they should – Try not to get Spencer Rattler killed. Well, at least he could run around. Well. I mean, I, I, no, I, no, you're he'd have right. been a sitting duck. Yeah, no, you're right. Tanner Mordecai isn't the same kind of running, doesn't have the same kind of running ability that Spencer Rattler has for sure. Um, Barry, when you look at receiver, I think everybody expects, as we talked about at the end of the last segment, that CeeDee Lamb is going to be gone. Do they have that next guy? I think they do. Is that Rambo? No, nope, I think it's uh, Hazelwood. Jaden Hazelwood? I think Jaden Hazelwood's a real deal. I don't know if he'll be as good as C.D. Lamb, but I'm very impressed with him. I like his 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 frame. 
He looks a lot like CD, you know, big, tall, athletic guy. I think he can be a big-time playmaker. I think Rambo can still be a home run threat. I like the the young guys, Weiss and Bridges. You know, um, there's a lot to like about there's a lot to like about the receivers. That's the least of the problems. They got tight ends running out their ears, Stogner and Willis. Um, so, I think throwing the ball to people is is not the least. The, the, to me, that's a non-issue. I think, uh, and of course, Nick Basquin will find a way to get a seventh year of eligibility. I assume. So, <laughs> I mean, they got a lot of they got a lot of weapons there. I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. Yeah, you wouldn't wouldn't anticipate it for sure uh barry i'm gonna do something that's probably a a little bit scary and look at my twitter mentions after at halftime i tweeted anybody want to ask us some questions uh for the podcast let's uh, let's answer uh, (laughs) some let's answer some questions via the twitter feed The, the the well first of all let's just Go into. Let's just jump right into the ridiculousness uh, pool. Well, okay, let's go. Uh, this guy actually tweeted uh, the responding to my tweet about questions for this podcast. Retweeted and directed it directly at Lincoln Riley. He tagged him in Twitter and said, "What is the plan? Are you going to improve? We once thought Schnellenberger was the answer." Um. I would ask the fellow to please quit drinking motor oil with his alcohol. <laughs> That's what I would say for crying out loud. People get nuts. I got emails during the game. I got a guy, you know, a guy said, get get him out of there. Get, get Hurts out of there. Get Rattler in. Had a guy, uh, I had a guy call me or email me and say, you know, this is unacceptable. And so I wrote him back and I said, what exactly does unacceptable mean? Does that mean? Well, I don't, what does that mean? It's unacceptable. Does that mean you go sacrifice virgins? Does that mean you fire people? Does that mean you 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 uh, discontinue the football t- program? What, what does that mean? And he wrote back and said something like, "It's just not." Um, you, you start firing people, and I <laughs> said, and so I uh, so I wrote him back. I said, "Well, why don't they fire the defensive coordinator?" <laughs> That might be a place to start. I mean, it's just an absurdity. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's just go down the offensive assistance here. I mean, Shane Beamer might be the next guy on this staff that becomes a head coach. Maybe probably second, I would say. Alex Grinch um, at some point before too long is probably going to get a head coaching opportunity uh, unless anything changes. You know, Jay Paul wears had a great run at uh, his position. Lincoln Riley, you're clearly not going to fire him. Uh, Bill Biedenboe has been fantastic. Dennis Simmons has only developed, uh, you know, a couple of the best wide receivers in OU history the last couple of years. I mean, it's it's just absurd. To, yeah. So, yeah, people like just that. get frustrated. And, you know, it, people would be very upset if OU had lost 35-31. But you get beat like that, and people go cuckoo at you. And another question, sort of along those lines, just of I think that it comes from a place of frustration. Was OU defense really better this year, or were the Big 12 offenses just not as good? 
I know. I think that's a legitimate question. The truth is, the offense is. I'm sorry, the OU defense was better. Yeah, but the defense, the offenses in the Big Twelve were not as good. I yeah. mean, statistically, I can tell you that. I mean, I, I figure up the Big Twelve efficiency in conference play each week, and the numbers are down. And you look at OSU, their offense way down. You look at Texas, their offense about the same. Tech's offense down. Uh, Baylor's offense down. West Virginia's offense. West Virginia's offense way down. Kansas State's offense about the same. Um, Iowa State's offense was better. Kansas's offense was better, although it's Kansas, so who really cares? And it it was not a great year for offense in the Big Twelve when. You know, Ed Orgeron was very complimentary all week of the o, of the OU defense, saying, "Hey, they they averaged twenty four points a game allowed in a league where everybody scores fifty. People <laughs> weren't scoring fifty in the Big Twelve this year. Yeah. So, um, so that no, not at all. This was not a case of this was not a case of um, the the Big Twelve was its usual self. The Big Twelve had trouble this year." Um, with offense, so that did inflate the success of the OU of the OU defense. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think OU's defense was better this year than it had been the last couple, but the the degree to which they were better was certainly magnified by the fact that the Big Twelve wasn't as strong offensively, didn't have a strong quarterback play uh, across the board as in years past, and and certainly might have had OU feeling a little bit better than themselves uh, about themselves than maybe they should have uh, before then. Uh, Barry, also uh, a guy I've known for a long time, you've known him for a while, Tondrell Durham, (laughs) asked on Twitter, how does the Big Twelve look now? Next year, do you think they will there will be my they will be on the minors of the committee if they have to select a one loss team from the Big Twelve? It's a great question, but it's an annual question. And what we deal with is this: Who else are you going to put in? The committee has had this chance to say, "Hey, you're not producing Sooners, so sorry." They've had the chance to do this multiple times and haven't done it. They say they start over year to year, and so far, we have to say they've sort of held by that. So I don't – at some point, Oklahoma will be on the outside looking in. But this year, they did not pick OU over somebody else. Yeah, there, I mean, was no, was, there wasn't any debate was a, about it. It was It was clear now. If it comes down to it next year, if it comes down to a twelve and one OU or a twelve and one Utah or whoever, well, maybe, maybe uh, you know the Sooners that that could play a factor. But this committee has said we don't we we look only at this year. So um, you know the best thing that could happen to Oklahoma is if Tennessee, if Army rebounds. You know, Army ended up with a poor season this year, but if if Army could have a good year. And Tennessee could sort of rebound and have a good season, and the Sooners take care of both of them. That would, you know, that'll get OU back in the back in the hunt. So um, I don't think it is something to worry about, though. 
It is something yeah. to worry about. Because in I mean, the back of your mind, if you're whoever, if you're Rob Mullins at Oregon or or uh, anybody that's on the on the committee, at, you, at some point you're thinking, is it, is this program really that good? I just I just don't know. But so far, they have not held it against them. Yeah, I, I think a big thing is the the non-conference games for the Big 12 next year. You mentioned OU's, Tennessee at home, at Army. Those could be some critical games. Uh, let's see, Texas goes to, to uh, LSU next year after hosting the Tigers at uh, – at uh, Darrell Royal Stadium At least this year. Joe Burrow will be gone. This is true. Um, so, yeah, I think the Big 12 needs to get some signature wins next year. What uh, I think West Virginia, don't they play a, a – I think they come here for a, one of the, the kickoff openers yeah, in Atlanta. For, yeah, two. I think they got – of course, they got two, I think. Well, the the Peach Bowl has three next year. Oh, really? Uh, three kickoff games next year uh, here on in opening weekend. Yeah. Well, I think it's uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's Saturday, Monday, Saturday. Oh, wow! They, well, good for them. They go is what uh, what our friend Matt Garvey was telling me. No, oh, that's fantastic. Day. Good for them. But you know, the Sooners do need a little bit of help um, in. And uh, fortifying the Big 12 reputation because right now they sort of carry the freight. If you look back at it, you know, as we speak, the Big 12's 0-3 in bowls. It's not like they ran roughshod over the, you know, they didn't have any good wins in the non-conference. Right. Best team, best team Big 12 has beaten this year outside the Big 12. Who is it? Did they beat anybody who was a bowl game? But bowl, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Mississippi State. Kansas, Mississippi State Kansas is probably State. the best one. K State won there. Bulldogs yeah. are six and six. OSU won at Oregon State, which yeah, which what they missed, ended up five and seven. One game, yeah. They ended up five and seven. That's better than most. Um, and okay, Bob Stoops. So most people, so most people didn't beat much of anybody. OU's, you know, victory over UCLA and Houston didn't and didn't end up being much. So Kansas at Boston College. BC made a bowl at six and six. So Kansas and Kansas State are flying the flag <laughs> for the Big Twelve this year. And when that happens, you know you're in trouble as a league. Trouble so, in paradise. Um, we'll see what happens, but we're gonna wrap it up there. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We're gonna be back uh, next week with another episode of uh, the Sooners Extra Podcast, wrapping up Oklahoma season. We'll probably have a couple of those type of episodes. Uh, coming up but thank you so much for joining us down here in atlanta i'm ryan aber you can reach me through twitter at r-y-a-b-e-r or email r-a-b-e-r at oklahoman.com barry's gonna tell you how to call him on the phone i imagine yeah i would prefer you not to call me until sometime in the daylight hours but 405-760-8080 you will get me Thank you so much for joining us. Once again, the Sooners Extra Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. 
Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoma for the best. Coverage in Oklahoma.